Welcome to the latest episode of Let Me Tell You Something. It's a new year. Is it a new us? No, it's the same as always. It's your co-host, Lorcan Mullen. And with you, as always, is your other co-host, Simon Cross. And we're doing a Meltzer five-star project. And you better get used to that subheading, because like a lazy comedian talking about the frequency of buses, we've got three or four or five of them coming at the same time. Oh, what are they like, eh? The first week of January was a star ratings bonanza as far as Mr. Meltzer goes. How many matches got five stars or higher, Simon, over a, not even a full week? Just give us the numbers. Oh, it is four matches getting five stars in five days. It's actually five matches getting five stars or higher, Simon. Oh, Christ. Yes, sorry, yes. You were yes, just it thinking is. of the usual star ratings bonanza that is Wrestle Kingdom, and that will make up the first four episodes of this run. But we've got another one to go, and we're going to have a whole month of full disclosure. Currently, at this point, we're not after that. There could be a lot more still to come afterwards. You're never going to get that Sting and Luger versus the Steiners match. <laughs> It'll become this mythical thing like the Snyder Cuts. <laughs> Or what's the name of the whale in Moby Dick? It's your white whale. Is Sting and Lex Luger against the Steiner brothers? <laughs> ah, but it is the first of five matches to get five stars or higher. With this one, he kicked things off with a five and a quarter star rating. Simon, what match are we covering first for this week? We are covering Kazuchika Okada taking on former Chaos stablemate who stabbed him in the back, Will Ospreay. No longer the aerial assassin, he is the Commonwealth Kingpin. And this is a match that Dave Meltzer went five and a quarter stars on. And we've said for ages that there's always been a a sense of Will Ospreay and Kazuchika Okada as a match that New Japan have penned down to be very important to them for the next decade. Yeah. I mean, this match will very obviously be perceived now as a match that could headline uh, Dominion, a G1 Climax final, or a Wrestle Kingdom, and may end up being all three of those at one point or another, Mm. for all we know. And this is the first of the new chapter of their rivalry. We saw a match a few months earlier at the end of the G1 Climax that was what triggered this. Beforehand, they'd always been, like you say, chaos stablemates. And the matches they'd had had been one of friendly rivalry and also one of the, um, not necessarily the, the master and the student, but certainly like it's more like a bigger brother, little brother dynamic. Uh, sort of along the lines of the Bret Hart, Owen Hart storyline in, in hmm. many ways. O- Osprey just eventually became jealous and impatient and wanted his moment of glory and felt that he needed to take it from Okada and he had to strike out on his own. Step out of his shadow. Yeah, but he doesn't do it through an informal request or a formal request. He gets the great Okan and his girlfriend B. Peasley to interfere for him. And then he hits a hidden blade to the back of Okada's head after the match, saying that he held him down. So this is really the, the one where it's about the intensity. Hatred has entered the mix at this point. Yeah. So it's Osprey's sense of 
jealousy with Okada, it's a sense of betrayal. Another thing you can compare it to, maybe even more effectively, would be the Bruno Sammartino, Larry Zabisco dynamic. And so, from the start, they're trading blows. It is a brawl at the start, where they're, throw- they're yeah. on the outside, and and so there's no mat work or anything. They're going out to fight. Uh, it's a very great bit right at the start, because Okada goes straight to his cocky pat. But he just does it, he, the fact he does it with just one hand and not two, it, it's sort of like he's trying to like remind Osprey, I'm not going anywhere. Like you can you can do all the like the bullshit you want. You still gotta beat me. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the most personal storyline for Okada so far. But I do wonder if maybe this match is the most personal it gets for Okada. He seems to get a release in, in so far as where he is at the end of the match. And that this mm. will maybe be more Will Ospreys the protagonist and oddly Okada's the antagonist even though you think it's the other way around as far as a good guy or a bad guy both these guys have personal stories but Osprey essentially I've noticed the pattern in New Japan storylines now we saw it with Naito we're going to see it in the next few days next few weeks with the Ibushi one you might be seeing it with the Jay White one essentially that there's a sense of you have to work to get to where you are and you can't take shortcuts yeah. So if you look at the Naito narrative that we've had from start to finish, he actually won the IWGB Heavyweight Championship fairly early on in his heel run, but he didn't win it the right way. He won it with interference, and he didn't treat the belt the right way. He threw it away. Similarly, when he won the Intercontinental Championship, he didn't uh, he didn't do it. <laughs> he didn't treat it with any kind of respect. Chucked it about like a frisbee at a dog park. So each time that he was getting one up on Tanahashi and Okada and Omega, it was in a different way and he had to treat them in a different way to the point that by the time that Naito beats Tanahashi it doesn't even mean anything to him other than I've beaten an opponent I've beaten an equal Mm. and similarly with Okada he had to get everything in place to do it right and I think what we're getting here is the start of Osprey thinking he could take a shortcut to surpass Okada and he has to learn resilience, which is what Okada starts to teach him in this match. Yeah. O- Osprey is very aggressive at the start. And it's also... The key thing about Osprey this past year and now is that he wants his high flying to not be what defines him, but for it to be a string in his bow. Similar to the sense that Okada is the complete wrestler who can jump. He does a... He has his drop kick. He does a missile drop kick in this match. He yeah. does about... But... Oh, Osprey does about as many high fly moves off the top rope as Okada does. He does pip pip cheerio. He does the top rope Spanish fly. He doesn't do a yeah. shooting star press. He doesn't do a dive to the outside. I don't believe. No, Okada's the one that does that. Yeah, which is rare for Okada to do that type of dive. Yeah, and so that that seems to be the driving force. I think these matches will mean more to Osprey over time. They'll, Osprey will evolve more than Okada will throughout these matches. Mm. So that my guess is that when Osprey finally is complete is when he can beat Okada fair and square and it's all about the title or whatever it is that he wins from him not necessarily him having to get one up on Okada he has to get beyond Okada essentially look past the target kind of thing Mm. because the way he gets like B onto the B gets onto the apron early doors to sort of distract Okada it is as you the word you use was shortcut he is using a lot of shortcuts but he is also being Again, as you quite rightly pointed out, a nasty, vicious bastard because yeah. he immediately after that like peels off the outer padding yeah. on the outside uh, ring area. It's him that's like amping up the stakes and adding dang- more danger and jeopardy 
It's not about beating Okada. It's about hurting Okada. Yeah. Both physically and mentally. Yeah. By like being the pinning him in the ring on his yeah. grand stage. Well, yeah, obviously later on in the match when he when he hits him with a suplex on the tables, he throws him back into the ring because he wants to win it the right way. And that's not a heel move. A heel would traditionally look for the any kind of victory over him. You know, Jay White wouldn't do that. Jay White would happily take the count out victory. Oh yeah. In a heartbeat. He would consider the Toriano method if he could. The first 15 minutes were almost like the structure of an American wrestling match in that Okada hits him with some big moves early on. It starts off as a brawl, and then literally his manager runs interference, and Okada is then under sustained attacks from Osprey. It's a heel heat segment, whereas so often with New Japan storylines, it's sort of face versus sort of heel who doesn't really work that heelish unless you're Jay White or now. And it's like body part targeted versus other body part targeted. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like you say, with this one, it's just... He doesn't really target anyone particularly. He just wants to beat him up. for all, And, and the moves mm. are very basic for the first 10 to 15 minutes. I mean, the big spot at the, at the, the, of the starting to turn momentum is when Okada hits him with a back body drop. That's a high yeah. spot from the 70s. Obviously, because it's Osprey and Okada, the height that they can get Osprey to go with his backdrop looks spectacular. But that's a move you could see Dory Funk and Jack Briscoe reeling off. <laughs> yeah. Because it looks special, though, they get away with doing that, I think. Because he looks like he launched him into orbit for, like, a, a hot second. B Priestley will offer something a little bit different, I think, in that she won't be cowardly in the way that Gado is or, or mm. Dick Togo or Jado are when they're running outside interference. She'll just have a, an arrogance of you're not going to do anything to me because I'm a lady. Or yeah. she puts it to red juice. I'm a fucking lady. Yeah. <laughs> I do look... Oh. I made a note that there was almost something of the Lady Macbeth about her and they literally say it in commentary. They do, they do. Because I think, my guess with the Empire is that it might be like Los Ingobernables or the NWO in that it will go across promotions and that maybe B Priestley will be the queen of her own empire within stardom. stardom, of some stardom talent as mm. well. She comes out with the uh, star. Is that the main title? I don't know. They've got quite a few titles in stardom. I don't quite... It's kind of like Dragon Gate. I'm not entirely sure which one means right, in right. the Right, I don't know anything about stardom. We will definitely do some stardom matches for Match of the Week at some point. <laughs> Whenever you get to hear those again. <laughs> yeah. we got you got a long wait, baby. <laughs> You're going to have to hear that Steiners versus Sting and Luger match first. (laughs) There is a cue. There is a process to this. (laughs) But yeah, very basic moves. Like I said, very American wrestling. When Okada gets back into it, it's a bump and feed. He's knocking him down. Osprey's coming back up. He's knocking him down again. And then we go into the second part, which is Okada starting to show what a complete wrestler is and showing why he is the true ace. That It's weirdly, even though this isn't for a title... Essentially, what Osprey is saying is that I'm the number one guy and I'm going after the number one guy, title or not. Well, he says that in the pre-match promo. After I've beaten you, I want gold, basically. Which is weird. Well, I know he comes out wearing gold, but it is Ref Pro gold. So, I'll be curious to see how they get that off him without him having to lose like by a, a step down or something like that. Yeah. They, they might just say dad doesn't matter he doesn't have it anymore <laughs> of course the storyline always is that okada going for his money clip 
bless him, he is trying to get that as his main make that his main finisher, isn't he? Well, I, what how the match finished was exactly how I expected it to finish. To be honest with you, yeah. And I think this is the end of the money clip as him trying to make it his finisher, but it's an option available to him, is my guess. And it was funny how he was saying that Shingo Takagi did such a great job of actually getting over the effectiveness of the money clip. And it seemed like Osprey had been studying him because he was trying to similarly do the bulging eyes and everything. Yeah. And he got it locked on him. Yeah, you're right. It is the recipient that has to do a lot of work in terms of making it look effective. I don't know if I'm not just like spitballing here, but Akada's sort of got the wrong body frame for it. Mm, not sure I agree with that. I-, I personally think if you give it to a guy with thicker arms... Maybe it'd look more devastating. No, he doesn't really have... Does he even have the arm wrapped around him or anything like that? I mean, who's the submission guy? Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. You could fit your hand over his bicep. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking of, like, the whole devastating... But I'm I'm blurring lines. It doesn't look deadly enough, I think, is a big problem. Usually. Like I said, Shingo Takagi did a great job with it. But it's just something that doesn't... Bring excitement either, I don't think. I think that submission holds usually get over when there's a sense of pain behind them, that you can understand the pain. That's why the ankle lock looks so good, because everyone can imagine getting your ankle twisted like that, very yeah. simply. The sharpshooter or the Boston Crab, you can imagine your legs being lifted and your back being sat on. You know, probably everyone's had their uncle or, or not their uncle, <laughs> sorry, their cousins do that to them. Being an older brother, I can vouch for like a lot of younger siblings will yeah. know that pain. I don't think people would necessarily know how to properly apply the sleep hold other than choking someone. And that's more belie- I guess the chokes you can buy, but that's supposed to be illegal in wrestling anyway, yeah. technically. Obviously don't tell Samoa Joe that. <laughs> but yeah, what I love is like I said that uh, Osprey wants Highline to be he wants to be the complete wrestler like Okada. I mean, they do have similar kind of body frames. They don't even though they're of different ethnicities, they don't look dissimilar to one another. No. With the, I know what you mean. They both have the blonde, shortish hair. Okada looks fantastic as well, by the way, in this match. He seems to be in good... Like, he's never been a muscular guy. Again, neither of them are muscular guys. They've got quite lean frames. Well, uh, well, Osprey's adding muscle to his frame. He's adding muscle, but he's not overly muscular. Yeah. It doesn't look disproportionate to him. It's just like a footballer, I suppose, that might, you know, if it's like a, an Aston Villa player who, who played in the... Uh, in the Liverpool game recently, you know they're not they're not fully grown yet, but yeah, you know, give him like you look at Jack Grealish when he was where he was before and where he is now. Those legs, my God, you could crush <laughs> walnuts with them. <laughs> I know he all, he could still like kick on as well. He's like mm. into like uh, from a physical standpoint. Well, he doesn't want to go. Right he doesn't in... want to turn to Akin Fenway or anything like that. But... No, no, but it would be great. Um, if it would be hilarious if he did. But um, but yeah, Okada does show Osprey as well at one point that I can fly with the best of them. He dodges Osprey's os cutter and then hits him with a shotgun drop kick. And then when he goes back into the ring, he then hits him with his missile drop kick. So yeah. it's like, I can do everything that you can do. So what else have you got to offer? And they do in the forearm exchanges. And I don't think o- Osprey wins any of them like just through sheer force. He might catch him. With a, with a kick or something. I mean, those speed... The, the running of the rope sequences, again, are still so breathtakingly fast. And But yeah, I think... It's that, I know what it's you mean. Sense. Like When he does win strike exchanges, it's like the, the, that flash rolling elbow 
but it's not like a sustained bout of pressure that's led him to like beat down Okada, really. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not like when Masao can floor someone or Kawada can floor someone. Yeah. Or Ishii, it's that he catches them at the right point to surprise them. Like the, you know, his sidekick is still amazing. The timing of the thigh slap or whatever it is, I never notice him. I'm always looking at the the kick itself and how yeah. close it is to connecting. I never notice whatever he's doing to make it sound deadly. It's that thing of like how you hit your inventive moves, how he how he gets the cheeky Nando's kick. He's thinking more into it. It's not just sequences mm. for the sake of sequences. He's trying to put it all together to become the complete wrestler. To give another example to his uh, New Japan stuff, there was that like famous gift sequence he had with Hiromu. Was it last Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, the one they have near the start of that match. That like becomes just like a compressed gif of like, oh look how flippy these two guys can be and look how like rapid this sequence is. There isn't any of that in this. Nor really from a storyline perspective, would Akada kind of allow that to happen? But there are some great moments. I mean, it was funny Osprey doing the old uh, K- Kenny Omega spots of catching Okada mid drop kick and turning it into a power bomb. I think that's just a great way to emphasise his like newfound power because yeah. non muscular Will Osprey couldn't have done that. Yeah, I mean he does his power. He does a really good power bomb as well at one point. And like you say, he's trying to. He does as many power moves as he does high flying moves in this whole match. At this point, like I said, this is where it becomes about a lesson in resilience. That if you want to be at the top, you have to be able to work your way through all this. And it also reminded me somewhat of the Hiroshi Tanahashi Kota Ibushi G1 Climax match. Mm-hmm. Where Tanahashi just kept coming at Ibushi and Ibushi didn't know how to answer. He didn't know yeah. how to survive the way that Tanahashi knew at that point. I'm sorry going on a tangent here. From a storyline perspective, Osprey adds a submission to his game to be complete enough to beat someone like Okada. Probably will. Maybe at some point this year he'll add a submission hold to his mm. to his mix. Maybe that'll be the first time he gets a win over Okada because Okada doesn't have a, an answer to it. Yeah. Because obviously Okada's got red ink, which he rarely uses. Yeah. And obviously the money clip, which he's trying to establish now. I just, I'm just thinking there's... From, from, from his character arc, there's nothing there in that column for Osprey. And maybe that's... From a storyline perspective, what will kick him on to the next level? I don't know, I'm armchair like booking. But you can see that the future chapters that are coming up along the way, I mean, they'll probably make something out of Okada hitting the tombstone on the apron the next time they have a big match against each other, or probably go for it, and then Osprey will be able to reverse that into something new. Mm. But yeah, it is just about Okada get this is about Okada getting his revenge on o- Osprey at this point and and not even just really trying to win. He's just like how Osprey was trying to hurt Okada at the start. Now Okada's trying to hurt Osprey and, and eliminate all the will and energy from him to the point that he's standing over him and Osprey's desperately clawing, which is like a Hogan babyface spot back in the day. What I had more there was parallels between Okada then and Okada being the recipient to Kota. On night one of last year's Wrestle Kingdom, when Kota just glazes over, it wasn't like completely cyborg like. No, Okada I think it was, more... was just like I think Okada was blinded by rage, not like Kota went rage. into another place. But, but also, he knows there were similarities to... there. There were in that in he's trying to affect um, uh, Osprey's confidence. 
But with o Ibushi, it's to try and make himself look invulnerable. With Okada, it's just to try and make himself look entirely superior and make Osprey feel inferior to him. That he's like, I've taken you apart piece by piece and you're nothing. And we're back where we were before. The only reason you were able to beat me in the past was your girlfriend, who you just knocked off the apron. Well done for that. Wow, who I just launched you into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like I said, he's taking him apart piece by piece. Barely able to get his foot on the ropes. When he's in the money clip, that's all that saves him. And then Okada is literally just standing over him and stamping on his head, which is, a ve again, quite a heelish move in a way, but... It's that sense that Osprey had it coming. But this is where Osprey does start to show a bit of resilience and he surprises Okada with it. And that's where he hits his desperation Spanish fly. But it's yeah. like those old Fighting Spirit All Japan matches. O Osprey during all this is still fighting underneath. He has to find something, whereas Okada still has the upper hand at this point. When they'll have a later match, it will be more of a sense of they're on equals. But it's like o Osprey's having to desperately look for something anything to get the win and then after this point where he hits him with a an os cutter and a ro rolling elbow and then he starts slapping away at okada on the mat it's like okada's like okay i better start looking to find a way out of this so, similar to similar to how when volta has to snuff it out at the end with dragonov in a way yeah he also does the grab their wrists and just stamp on their head for a bit yeah yeah as well then right at the end okada just hits the right finishing sequence starting off with the drop kick okada is now trying to finish it as well hitting him with the drop kick discus rainmaker is ducked and but he knows the os cutter is coming and hits him with a drop kick so it is that sense that they both know each other well and they know that they've got to, how to finish it but okada has more experience at that point and that's what wins it out for him in the end but yeah offspray does hit the tombstone does the rainmaker pose and the rainmaker and if it were a you could have had that be the true story of if there's anything more symbolic of someone taking the mantle away, it's that. Mm. But Okada's able to kick out, and that's the moment where Okada's like, there is only one Rainmaker around here, pal. And that yeah. is the moment that pushes him to, like, I've got to hit you with the real Rainmaker. And the first time we've seen it in, like, a fucking year, I think. He absolutely levers him with it. And I think Osprey will learn that if he's to win, he has to hit him with his own thing in the future. I don't think Osprey will ever win a match over Okada with the Rainmaker. Well, Osprey tried for Stormbreaker twice, but did not yeah. hit it in this match. Yeah, he hit a top rope hidden blade. That's yeah. like the most devastating special move he hit on him. Mm. But he didn't land Stormbreaker at all. Which is telling. It's a good way of protecting Osprey. Yeah, I think when he hits it the first time on Okada, he'll win the match with that. Maybe that'll be his G1 Climax win or something like that. Then that's the end of the match. And you notice that Okada says some things to Osprey before he leaves. And there don't seem to be things of, like, anger or anything. It's it's almost like we could have had this fight as stablemates, but we didn't. I'm just putting words into his mouth. But there seemed to be a sense of completion by Okada. And then the next night, uh, two nights down the road, he's trying to get revenge on evil for what he did to him. So I think mm. there's a sense of Okada's got everything he needed from that match. Osprey needs more from Okada, but Okada's going to be a different... Beating Okada's going to mean more to Osprey than beating Osprey means to Okada, because he's done it four times already, and he's done the big revenge win. Yeah. The only time that it will now mean more to him against Osprey, and this might be the next time that they have their big match, will be Osprey as the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Because what they always love to have in New Japan, and they're always sometimes the best stories for championship matches if the champion goes in with as much to prove and to win from the challenger as the challenger does with the champion 
It's like Toshiaki Kawada won the Triple Crown before he beat Misawa. Naito beat Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, but he didn't beat him, beat him for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, because I, I kind of got the similar vibe. I think it was like, right, you did all this, like, you turned on me, you, you twisted the knife, but on the grand stage, I'm still better than you kind of thing. Yeah, this isn't Okada as the upstart or the challenger like he was to Tanahashi. This isn't Okada as the usurper who beat his sort of peer but a little bit, like, slightly not with Naito where he he won the, the thing that Naito had been waiting in line for and he jumped the queue. And this isn't Okada Omega where it's like the two greats as, as equals or something like that, like the greatest rivals. This is a very different situation for Okada as the senior figure. Not, I guess he's a veteran at this point, but he's like they keep saying he's only 32. And Osprey is only four or five years younger than him. So like I said, that's why it feels more like a bigger brother, younger brother thing that rather than like a generational passing of the yeah. torch situation like it was with Okada or Tanahashi. Because, like you say, Okada's only 32. He could very easily be headlining Wrestle Kingdom 25. And it wouldn't look out of place. It wouldn't be like they're going for the old timer. He'll still be close to his physical prime, touch wood, if he's Mm. utterly destroyed. (laughs) Like either of them are. So this felt like the the start of a new story. Or, or, yeah. Well, I think there's a new story coming from this one now. Like I said, Okada's kind of got everything that he needs out of this feud. It's Osprey that needs something from Okada again. So when they lock up again in the future, it'll be interesting, the the new dynamic. So yeah, I thought they told the right story that they had to tell. I think they both tempered it. It wasn't that spectacular. There weren't that many memorable... Like, what's the the highest spots of the match? Probably the Spanish Fly and Osprey suplex on the announcer's table. And I'd, I'd say Okada's dive... Yeah, I guess so as well. So it's still a work in progress with Osprey. I don't think we fully know what this Osprey's mm. style, his regular move sets, or anything are going to be yet. But he's starting to form it as this match goes on. I hope in the future he doesn't necessarily do a grunt, heavy breathing for <laughs> two thirds of the bloody match. That really bothered me. Yeah, I, well, I think he was just trying to sell have it, how much energy he's had to expend to try and like beat Okada. But I, I but yeah, it it was a little bit. So, would you give this match five stars? No. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't quite either. I think there's more to come, potentially. But again, I think it was just no no crowd atmosphere. Again, that really bothers me more than I think it clearly... I think Meltzer's maybe got used to it. But there's a moment when they're doing the forearm exchanges, and it's pretty cool, kind in a way, to hear the, the, the sound echoing across the arena. But I still... That that sense of excitement when Osprey had hit the Rainmaker, if you could have heard 30,000 fans in the Dome losing their mm. shit thinking they might have just seen the new Ace be crowned in the promotion unexpectedly. For the reactions we were getting, there was a very loud reaction, but I, I, I know what you mean. But it's, not, that, it's no, not the wrestler's fault. No, it's not. Yeah, I'm not angry at them for not quite reaching a five-star match, in my opinion, because it's still an excellent match. And I'm going to try something... For now, that we might ditch, because I've always said I'm never going to say it, but I might as well. I don't know why we're trying to make ourselves mysterious or anything. But if I had to give it a rating, it's somewhere between four and a quarter and four and a half for me. I think I maybe now lean towards four and a quarter. I'm I'm broadly in the same place. If I had to, if yeah. I was to pin a number on the board, I there's not a lot technically wrong with it. I, I think the point oh. you raised about. Osprey tr- still in transition 
yeah. is it's as a result you you don't know what to latch onto and what to identify on in a match as like a game changing thing sometimes. Yeah. I think they did a good job in making just a singles match feel like it had stakes, that it meant something to both of them. Mm. Without a title being involved. Well, it's the semi-main for a reason. So, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. That's pretty much what we have to say about the match. But the show's not over yet. If you come back next week, we'll still be on this show. We'll be on the very next match, actually. Simon, what are we covering next week? Just to ruin your seamless segue, I do think that's... Even though we do review these in isolation... I do think that was a problem as well. It got sort of drowned out by mm. the storyline behind what's next week. And that is the very next match, as you say. And that is a double championship match between the challenger, one Kota Ibushi, and the champion, Tetsuya Naito. Well, that is something for us all to very much look forward to. But until then, if you want to get in touch with me, my name's Lorcan Modern. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Aging Veteran, N for Nubile Youngster. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Let's Box. That was my email address. We put at gmail.com at the end of it. Simon, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of fingers you need to uh, make the empire hand gesture. If you want to get in touch with the show, that's lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle and Facebook. And if you feel like throwing us a few pennies along the way, then we've got a Patreon account. You can just join for a month and then take it away. It doesn't matter. Just give us some money. <laughs> give us some fucking money. These New Japan World subscriptions don't pay for themselves, you know. <laughs> on top of as well, you can also give us five-star ratings of your own on, obviously, the Apple podcast feed. Yep. I'm done with it. You can't kids. break the system like Meltz has done for this match and many others, but you can still give us five out of five, which is how five uh, how out of five ratings are supposed to be. <laughs> but anyway, until then, all that's left to say now is that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five and a quarter star time. Until the next time. (laughs) 